coming to you loud and clear, clear. The following is a production of the AM Podcast Network. I've got it on you guys all day long. All right. Hi, guys. I'm just here to talk about our new sponsor, the AM Podcast Network. For the past few weeks, I've been in contact with Adam Mulholland, who runs the network, about ways we can improve this podcast. Before you start worrying, don't worry. The Stories Podcast will not have any advertisements flung all over this because of this partnership. The network is only here to improve the podcasting experience. Currently, since we are now fully associated with them, all the podcast episodes will be on the AM Podcast Network website, which you can find in the description and on its SoundCloud. There are some really great shows on there, so I recommend that you check some of them out. And just a heads up, there may be some surprises coming soon. This is the Stories Podcast. I'm Harry Jones. clink of a shot glass accompanies the light conversation around the room. His drinks are downed, spilled, and trodden into the carpet. Smiling, wobbling faces are only just visible in the dim glow coming from the kitchen and the streetlights outside. The party seems to be nowhere close to finishing. As more music playlists are shoved through the speakers, it makes a difference. Nobody is listening anyway. I push past the group surrounding the speakers, arguing between themselves on whose music taste is best, and make my way to the nearest sofa. I recognise only but a few faces in those dense crowds, though even then, I still don't know them, as they laugh and cackle, trip and fall on thin air. The nightlife is always the most interesting, I think to myself. In vino veritas, in wine there is truth, I suppose is the order of the day. A stranger comes up to me, whom I assume is a stranger, who might as well be my closest friend for all I know, and offers me a murky bottle. I decline, saying, I'm alright, thanks, though in this crowd that translates as, I don't drink. She lowers the bottle, with some distaste, and replies with a solitary response, Oh. I felt eyes glaring at the back of my neck as the music was drowned out by my own anxiety. I was wrong. I wasn't all right. I'd answered a question incorrectly. One that only required a yes. In the end, I didn't drink from that murky bottle, but the rest of that evening was an intense escape from her confused looks. What kind of guy goes to a party and doesn't drink? Then more seriously, I'd broken a rule that was essential in keeping such a drinking culture afloat. Always, except to drink. Mid-2009, Anita Sarkeesian created a website called Feminist Frequency, mainly host to video critiques on films, books, but predominantly video games. She analysed geekdom through a feminist lens, following the works of Buffy Studies and other social studies-based projects. Her YouTube career was semi-popular and didn't receive the expected amount of criticism from the infamous comment section. Her series Tropes vs. Women moved on for a while focusing on the popular culture's representation of women, but in May 2012, on the website Kickstarter, she began a campaign 
for donations to begin a new series of Tropes vs Women, this time on video games. It passed its target of $6,000 in under 24 hours, and by June, it was 800% funded, though an update hadn't been posted since early May after exceeding all of its stretch goals. Within days, somewhere on the internet, a finger was pointed at Anita Sarkeesian. She had her site DDoSed, had her Wikipedia page vandalized with porn and racial slurs, and saw multiple attempts to have her campaign defunded and removed from Kickstarter. Many of these things were done by coordinated groups of people working together. This was unexpected. That's Ian Danskin, a writer and YouTuber who documented her abuse in the series Why Are You So Angry, which you can watch by following the link below. After a few days of this, Sarkeesian chose to document the harassment and post about it on her site and on her Kickstarter. Starting around June 10th, several news sites began writing articles about Sarkeesian's experience, using her posts as a primary source. This led to a huge uptick in exposure and, by extension, backers, and the campaign tripled its money before closing on June 16th. The combination of a large-scale attempt to silence Sarkeesian and her decision not to be silent about it made her a minor feminist celebrity, and she closed a $6,000 campaign with just shy of 160 grand. Mere minutes after I asked Ian for permission to use some excerpts from his videos in this episode, a stranger on Twitter accused him of painting the website Gamergate, the source of a lot of hatred towards Anita Sarkeesian, in a bad light. This issue plagues the internet and its communities, and the abuse that follows has spread to other feminist critics, such as Zoe Quinn and more. But why? Why are so many people angry about these opinions? There are questionable opinions made all over the internet, yet such a rally has never been made against them. Now, when your friend or neighbor bikes 15 blocks because they refuse to get in a car to buy expensive coffee because it's fair trade and carries the cup 15 blocks home so they can throw it in the compost, maybe for a few minutes this has been you. Or maybe it's been you when someone declines a bite of your sandwich, having maybe a couple of your own, and you get kind of cold and quiet and your eyes narrow and you wonder, are they judging me? Why do they read like judgments? Because they're not, not necessarily. They're often stated for practical reasons, to explain a behavior. Here's why I'm not eating that sandwich. Here's why I turned off the power in my apartment. But the thing is that these people have made some bold decisions about how they live their lives. Bold and inconvenient decisions. At first glance, their lives look less enjoyable than yours. And it seems they live their lives that way because they feel it's the more rational, possibly even more ethical, way to live. Prompting the question, if they're right, what does that say about me? As soon as our own thoughts are questioned, we defend. And there is nothing unjust, unnatural, nor unusual about that. We want to be right. To not be right is to be wrong, in our pessimistic minds. And we desperately try to crawl our way out of it with excuses. You don't get it. You're not a part of this. I'm just misunderstood. However, as soon as we wiggle, Behind this immovable shield, we're as blind and silent as a grave. Our eyes narrow at those who challenge us and offer us new insights that we think are intended to make us feel guilty. Sometimes by simply saying no, they criticise everything we stand for. We are suddenly met with a wall that we cannot move, like at that dimly lit party where the only words said were, I'm alright thanks. No torrent of abuse followed suit. I did not suffer the levels of hatred Anita Sarkeesian did, that YouTuber, whose crime was only that she exercised her right to say what she wanted to say. Yet in that moment, I learned something. 
There are worlds out there that people do not know they are living in. They assume that they are living in the same world as you and I. But it's when those two worlds collide that a bubble is burst. And the aftermath is an uncomfortable knowledge that we were ignorant ones, that we were wrong ones. And the rest of our lives are spent consoling ourselves, convincing our minds that it is not us, but them. Who are we when we are not right? When most of our lives are spent finding out all the possibilities where we could be wrong, there will always be a world that we are not a part of, that we watch from the outside, like dogs stranded out in the rain, looking in, and we are left to wonder, what would I have been if I had done this, said that, thought this? This issue with the internet is not that the facts aren't there, but rather, they are there. We're afraid. We're afraid of seeing the truth that stands in front of us. We're happy to stand here in our ignorance, as long as we are not wrong. Stephen Colbert once said, It used to be, everyone was entitled to their own opinion, but not their own facts. But that's not the case anymore. Facts matter not at all. Our perception is everything. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Stories Podcast. This episode was written and read by me, Harry Jones, and produced in conjunction with the AM Podcast Network. You can find me and the podcast on Twitter or on the Stories Podcast website by following the links below. Episodes are every week, which you can find on our website blog, along with updates, schedules, and stories never told in the podcast. But for now, see you next time for more stories written and read by Harry Jones. Have fun. Thank you.